This is Up for Debate, episode number 223, recorded January 6th, 2021. Shaken, not stirred. Six decades of James Bond. Tonight, chapter nine, No Time to Die. We used to be able to get into a room with the enemy. Now they're just floating in the ether. When her secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you. Oh my God, target enough people. And the people become the weapon. Who is he? James, you don't know what this is. This is Up for Debate, episode number 223, recorded January 6th, 2021. 2022! Shoot, darn. First podcast of the year, and of course I blow the year. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Up for Debate, the debate podcast where the two hosts agree on everything. I'm Sean Jennings, he's Matt Mariani, and the Bond boys are back. Sean, how are you doing? Matt, we said never say never again. We said we weren't going to, but Bond is right Because we are on Her Majesty's Secret Service, uh, Spectre Moonraker. We're, we're, and, uh, we're the men with the silver We have all streets. the time in the world. That's right. That's right. And do you expect me to talk? Of course you expect me to talk. Uh, because we're talking Bond once again. Um, maybe for the last time. Maybe. Ever. Certainly the end of an era. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I, I don't... We should have probably talked about this pre-show, but we like to do things, you know, on off the cuff here. Uh, sometimes on, on, um, I almost said on don't panic, but that would have been weird. We're so messed up. I'm not even on don't panic. It's not even my show. Oh no. Um, you know what it is? It's my, my Kevin Smith look is really distracting me today. I've got the hockey jersey on. I've, I got the, the goatee going. I, I, um, I'm very distracted by my, my own, uh, visage here, but, um, we, we like to do things off the cuff, Sean, and I wanted to address this beforehand, okay. but I forgot, so we're going to address it live. I, and if it's cool with you, I would like to, as we have in the past with movies, like the Fast and Furious, I, I really like the format, kind of taking it scene by scene okay. and going through it and talking about it that way. Can we do like a maybe a two to three minute quick rundown, no spoilers, like spoiler free? And before we get into the um, the the meat of it, and then we'll kind of like tell everybody to um, so go see the movie. Here's the thing, Matt. Right? How do you feel about Here that? Here you go. Yeah, I just threw you the keys. You're driving the Aston Martin today. Oh no. Okay. You know where we're going, Sean? We're going to outer space, and we're going to crash this thing right into the 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 space station. <laughs> hey, James Bond <laughs> did go to space. Give the man credit. He has been. He went to space, space, but he, but he never drove his Aston Martin in space, and he no. never drove any cars in space. So there, in that in that respect, I think that the Fast and Furious has one maybe one leg up on Bond. That is true. In space, I will give them. Yeah. I will grant them that. Matt, we can go ahead. You kick us off. What what would you? You're Mister No Time to Die. You saw it months ago. So I actually, I thought back on this and this is the first and only movie that I saw in theaters last year. The, the only one on all of 2021. Uh, first movie I saw since the pandemic began in a theater. Uh, last movie I had seen before that was Onward, Pixar's Onward. Um, and so this was the only one. 
Uh, Sean, I told you all about my my dining experience in the theater. Yes, I think we talked about it on the show. Um, and uh, let's just say it was it was not great. Um, there was no there was time some... to dine. No time to Which dine. I think That's I also right. said on the last episode, but still, I'll take that. You did, but it, it still it still tracks absolutely. It uh, lukewarm mac and cheese, like a a really like kind of stringy and bad chicken that was mixed in the mac and cheese mm. for some reason, and um, also just uh, putting it out there is that I'm I'm um, probably also lactose intolerant, so I shouldn't have even been eating mac and cheese to begin with. Yeah, that's but, on you. Really, yeah, that was that's that one's on me. I I, I could have controlled that. Uh, couldn't have controlled, however, the um, the runtime of this film. So far, uh, I guess we'll start there. Probably nothing else really happens in the movie that's remarkable. Would you agree, right, Sean? Nothing really crazy or surprising happens throughout all of No Time to Die. So <laughs> the only thing is that the runtime is super long, very very long runtime. Um, for a Bond movie, yes, we'll say. two hours, 43 minutes in the version I watched, Matt. I watched it in the comfort of my own mm. home, and I do have to admit you that did. I rented it, and be, due to some bad timing, uh, the rental period expired with 10 minutes left in the movie. The movie locked up, and I had to pay another five ninety nine to rent it again for the last 10 oh. minutes. Very frustrating. I was not happy. That one that one might be on you, I figured, though. But I figured, like, if I'm actively wait until the last watching minute. it, they can't just, like, give me mm. the last, like... You, I didn't think they would actually, like, literally stop the stream. That's that's the weird that part. Because I, I know if you if you rent things, like, on Amazon, like, on Prime, Prime Video, once you start watching it, I think it they say you have, like... 48 hours or something I, to finish. I rented it through Voodoo like and, I, and I think they just, I think it's with ultra new releases. They just have really, they have more aggressive rental policies. Gotcha. Okay. But I didn't see the whole film. So that's good. good. And it, it was, uh, you, you paid just about as much as, as you would have, if you had gone to a theater, it sounds I like. I vastly overpaid for hmm. the film that I don't actually own. So yeah, that was a bummer. So spoiler free. Our introduction here, Sean, general thoughts on the movie. Matt, I, I, I liked the movie a lot and I have very few complaints. That is, that's my one sentence review. I actually have one big complaint and a bunch of big nitpicky stuffs and I can get into my big complaint. It's not a spoiler. Um, Sure. I hate, I was watching the movie and they introduced the MacGuffin of the film, Heracles, the programmable super virus. And I thought, programmable super virus, where have I heard this before? Oh, that's the same weapon from Hobbs and Shaw. (laughs) Son of a bitch. I knew I had seen that in a movie before. Snowflake from Hobbs and Shaw. It was the same thing. The the general premise, I think, was... Yeah, so technically this the Heracles program, Sean, they're nanobots, mm. not a super virus. I but I actually I do have a theory that I was going to get into later on, but my theory is that it originated as a super virus and I think that there are there's evidence that backs me up on this. I think that they the writers actually changed it mm. because of the pandemic. I think they actually like went in and edited it 
to be nanobots. That but exactly I do have, like have pretty solid. If you look at the clues that they they left behind, they, they the little breadcrumbs they left behind for us. I think I think that you could make a case that the original um, MacGuffin was a a super virus. Um, I think there's enough evidence for that. But I do think that they changed it because of the pandemic well, and made it nanobots instead. And that's what kind of pissed me off with the nanobots was because you're right. A virus makes much more sense because the gimmick is you get it only certain it'll only kill certain people. But once you have it, you can never get rid of it. And I'm like, OK, if that's a virus, maybe. But like nanobots, can you just like get a blood transfusion and they go away? Like I'm kind of like I, I feel like a like it's a robot. You can't shut it down or like. I, I, a virus yeah, I get, it's kind of nat more natural, but I'm like a exactly. nanobot. They're like, no, they're just... There's a lot of hang-ups. A lot of hang-ups with nanobots that uh, a virus might not. So I, that's why I, I would say I think that they, they were going for a virus first and then changed it mid-film. There's some, there's some evidence in there but, for and that. And that's the other thing that pissed me off was the villain's plan was... I mean, he targeted Spectre. We saw that. And he targeted... But his grand plan was just to kill a bunch of people. Like, he wasn't really targeting anybody, despite the fact that... The motivation him. was well, unclear, again, right? If it's a generic super virus, his plan makes total sense. Like, I'm just going to kill as many people as possible. But you get, like, the most targeted virus weapon ever made, and you're like, let's just get everyone's DNA, and then we'll kill everybody. I'm like, that's way more complicated. Well, it's it's almost like he, like he would have stolen a super virus, right? One that could indiscriminately exactly. take down as like, many people you need as possible. The opposite of this, you want to kill the most people. <laughs> so then you got to go through the hassle of hacking everyone's DNA profile and like putting it in the virus and. Uh... Right, right. Wow. No, that that is that is one of the one of the challenges with this movie is the mo the motive. Um, you said you enjoyed the film. I. I have to say, right the, the the thing I will say about this movie, and we'll get into the, the details in a in a moment, but I will say this: I have never thought as much about a Bond film in my life, and I've seen all of them, as as we can well attest, because we we did a whole like half a year's worth of of Bond films on this show. Uh, I've never, I've really never sat and contemplated a Bond movie like I did this one, and I think that that says something about this film. Since I left the theater, I, I've given this film a lot of thought and a lot of a lot of really um, pondering and or bondering and um, deep uh, questioning certain things and certain decisions. Um, I will say, I think there are three main things that are very spoilery that we can say are deviations to the Bond formula, and we'll point them out. Uh, after we get past that spoiler mark, but overall, I was very happy with the cinematography. I thought this was probably the best directed Looked Bond right. we've right. ever seen. Um, it had the and 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 uh, wow, Rami Malek with the um, uh, uh, his his portrayal as as Safin, unbelievable. Yes, I thought he was great. Um, I think. But one of the things I thought when I watched it with him was we don't get an immense amount of backstory, like enough for his character to make sense. But I like that. Like, he's not in the movie a lot. Like, the first hour and a half, no. he's barely in it. He doesn't get a crazy amount of screen and time. Okay That's true. with that. Like, Blofeld, mm -hmm. again, I wouldn't want him to come back for the whole movie. 
he gets his little scene and he's pretty good in it. Like I thought the character balance was surprisingly decent in this. Yeah, he doesn't they don't n- nobody overstays their welcome, I think. Um no. Well, maybe maybe one character, but that's because of the writing. I don't think it's any any fault of of her own. And I think with that, Sean, I think we'll we'll we're going to cross into spoiler territory if that's all right with you. Yes, sir. And uh, we will uh, start getting into the scene, kind of scene by scene breakdown. So if you want to go ahead and watch the film, No Time to Die, uh, now is your chance. We'll be waiting right here. Visit, visit your uh, local all the time in the world. video and check out yeah. No Time to Die. That's right. I, God, I wish I wish that, that I could still do that. You have no idea how much I miss. I just miss that. I think in the right and, neighborhood, in the right city, a store that opened and transferred new releases onto VHS tapes and then rented VHS tapes and VCRs could sustain itself. I think that Blockbuster going away is the reason why so many people have commitment issues. I think it's up there. Because when you used to rent DVDs, like you were committed to that DVD, that movie. That was your movie. When you rent, I mean, heck, DVDs. VHS tapes, yeah. right? For that that weekend, that was the movie that you had, and you were kind of for better for better or for worse in sickness and in health. But anyway, let's uh, let's dive into um, no time to die. Ding, 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 Cue ding, the bond ding, music. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. Okay, Matt. Where does the film start? So, so Sean, we open up. We're back to the gun barrel. The gun barrel is back. Um, past couple of movies, it has been conspicuously absent. I believe, um, did Quantum of Solace have a gun barrel? I don't, you I know, know, I don't Spectre remember definitely... anything about the, Spectre and Spectre Quantum of Solace might as well not exist. Spectre did not. I can't remember if Skyfall did or not. I, I think that it did, but, but Spectre didn't and people freaked out about it. So they, I guess they brought it back, except this time it's got like an icy steel look to it. It's a different looking gun barrel. Yes. So right from the beginning, it triggers our, our, our brain to think, okay, it's going to be different. Something, there's something different about this one. Um, the, uh, the steel gun barrel focuses on Craig and pans out and we're in a snowy um, kind of tundra with a cabin in the middle. We are in Norway, Sean. And um, we are, are uh, acquainted with a young uh, Madeline Swan. She's a, a child at this point, point in the film. Her her how, alcoholic mother. How old do you think she is? Is there? Because um, this was one of those confusing things like, where if our I, villain, I'm really bad at if this, our villain but, shoots and kills her as a child, and then interacts with her as an adult, I the timeline. Excuse me. I think she was like almost teenager, like maybe like that 13, 14. She, I thought she looked younger than that. But what? I'm, but that's. What I thought saying. she maybe looked like. If she's like the eight. actress that they got, I would have. I would have put her like in the nine or ten area. So then, how old do you think Rami Malek is in the movie? He should in this scene. He might be like a maybe early twenties. Which case, by the time Madeline gets to be thirty, yeah, like okay, 55. I see your point. I, anyway, it, I it, see it, your point. It's a nitpicky thing, but I'm like. I, all right. Even if we maybe we put him at like he could be like eighteen, right? Because we don't actually see his face in this scene. But, okay, so that would because he's that wearing would that mean, mask. That would mean when Rami Malek is forty, she's twenty. 
Right. And that would mean when But he, she's not really 20. I think she's a little older. When I see your point. Well, but 5 years I, prior, she was with Bond and Spectre. So she was old enough to be Inspector five years before that. So she must have been, what, 30 in that film, 35 in this one. That would make him 70. Yeah, no, that's... Anyway, okay, yeah, I, I, I got you. I definitely see your point. But as soon as I... This see, was... No, it was weird. I could see where this would take you out of the yeah. film right here. I would I would, uh, I would, would agree. Um, but, I mean, there, are, there I think there, there are some other, other issues oh, yeah. that are, are definitely pretty glaring. I, I help. But that is one of them. Um, you're right. No, she she should probably be older. The whole time, I mean, I didn't really. I don't think we're really introduced to the fact that that's that's Madeline Swan. I actually thought like maybe the mom was her, and she had fallen on hard times. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, anyway, he the Rami Malek shows up. Or play. Uh, he's playing a character, Lu- Lucifer Saffin. Saffin. Big problem. Love huh. that name. We can't call him <laughs> Lucifer Satan. What an evil name. So maybe if we called him Lucifer Saffin, nobody would know. Let's notice. change one letter oh my God. and and make it sound a little yeah, or two I mean, letters. It's so ridiculous, it's funny again. I'm not sure, but that's it's, well, it is Bond. You got to think. You got to remember, like this is the you know the franchise that gave us Odd Job and uh, Doctor No. You know, uh, uh, what's all, all the names of all the all the Bond girls had complicated you know uh, in into innuendo yeah uh what was the one i'm trying to remember the name of uh dr good good oh good dr goodhead yes i think that was, was that right. one? yeah that was i think moonraker yes anyway um they uh uh they, they've got some complicated uh naming naming conventions going on uh, with, with that, Safin breaks in, he's got the creepy mask, L- nice jump scare in the beginning of the movie where he's at the window, right? Um, comes in, Madeline runs upstairs, hides under her bed. I didn't know this, but this is, she, she actually talks about this in, in, um, in the previous movie, Inspector. Oh. Did you know that? I, again, don't remember she anything talks about, about I should have watched Spectre. She, She's on the, she's on the, I think they're on a train or something and she's talking to Bond and, and she says to him, like, uh, when I was young, this, you know, a man broke into my house and I shot him. He didn't know I had a gun hiding, like I was hiding under the bed. She tell, basically t- recounts that story of, um, That's cool. of, 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 of this. So, uh, they, I guess they're true to the previous film. They acted out the, so Safin murders her mother. It doesn't really look all that shocked or surprised. She just like kind of accepts it. Um, and then he goes upstairs, uh, she begins shooting at him, has very good aim for her age. Um, and, uh, he's, he's like kind of taken down, but not out. She runs away, falls through the ice and he saves her, right? He, he like rescues her from the ice. And from that point on their fate is their fates are kind of intertwined. Um, I guess he, he must have a soft spot for, for little girls because we see that, later in the film also. Um, but, uh, flash forward. Now we are, we are in the future again with, uh, with, with Madeline Swan and bond and they are vacationing in Italy, basically picking up directly from where the last movie left off. Um, they are visiting a town. They go to visit Vesper or he goes to visit Vesper's grave after they check into the hotel. um, what did you think about this scene? Uh, 
I like the location. I thought the you again. <laughs> I think we talked about this before we were on the air. I did not know it was Madeline Swan for the entire movie, so I thought she was just some chick he was with. And when he was like, "Oh, you have secrets. You got to tell. I'll tell you. You got to tell me your secret stuff." I'm like, "What are they talking about?" So I was confused mostly, but. I think a, a big problem with it was that she was extremely flatly written mm. in the inspector. Yes. She didn't really have a lot to do. And she was kind of like, just seemed like another Bond girl, honestly. Yeah. So they did give her like a colorful backstory. But then again, like a lot of them have colorful backstory, right? Natasha from GoldenEye has an interesting oh, sure. backstory. No, no, no. You've it, got... Um, I didn't have any... Yeah, the, the one from Thunderball, Dominique. She was sure. very interesting. Uh Domino. Who was the who was so, the gypsy from uh no uh from um From Russia with Love? No, I'm thinking of uh, Live and Let Die. The one who may have been magic. Oh, um <laughs> that was problematic. He he gets her he takes her powers away. Yes, and the she, she uh, does voodoo. Um Well I yes. Um she was in and had an interesting solitaire. backstory too. Solitaire. I was going to say it's another card pun. Oh, um, we, get, we should rewatch yeah. and let die. That was a good one. Um, that was a that was a really good one. No, yeah. I I, um, I was a little annoyed. So at some point throughout this episode, I want to talk about the serialization of the Daniel Craig Bond because I think that is such a central thing to this movie and the way it ends, among other things. But when they brought Vesper back up, a character introduced in Quantum of Solace, which was how many. Real world years ago. What what year did that movie come out? Two thousand. Quantum of Solace, I believe. Casino Royale, two thousand six. Uh, Quantum of Solace was oh eight. But she was introduced in Casino Royale, mm. wasn't she? Yes. Yeah. So oh yes, six. All right. So mm -hmm. over a decade later, we're still talking, and I was kind of like, we've got to let this go, and I was really <laughs> upset until there was that awesome explosion at the tomb that. So very much surprised me and was very cool. There are a thing I really like about this movie is that there are real bond moments mm. in this movie. And that was absolutely a classic traversed all eras of bond. You could see this happen in a Connery movie, in a Moore movie, in a Timothy Dalton movie. Um, the the not, fact that he looks at that envelope. George Lazenby movie. You would never see that in a George Lazenby movie. Absolutely not. Never. No, he was the the serious That's one, right. right? Yeah, he was so. Um, you, you look at the envelope, you see the the Spectre octopus, right? And and it, and it, then the explosion. Couldn't you see any? Literally any of the bonds, right? It was could have cool. could have seen that. So that's that was cool. I, I thought that was a really neat Bond moment, and it was it was kind of you know it was heartfelt. But I, I was kind of with you too, like. Yeah, all right. Let it go already, buddy. This has been a long time now. You're with this other girl. Like, she's pretty nice. Maybe leave it, like, in the past. The whole concept was, like, burning the past or letting the past go. Right. Remember, they had the, the fires throughout the city. So it was kind of like, all right. But I guess, you know, he was, he's there to, like, pay, her, pay respects to her or whatever. But that explosion was pretty cool. So a bomb goes off at the site of a, a Vesper's grave uh, with a little – It's after he finds a little note from, from Spectre um, – Immediately, a, a, a scooter chase. Bond has a scooter, right? Motorcycle. Or he's, oh no! First, the car comes in and tries to run him over. That movie was that that scene was all over the trailers when yes. he like hides behind the thing, and it goes up over the rampart, just misses him. Very cool Bond moment. Moment. 
Um, and we're introduced to the henchman. Uh, his name is Primo. Mm. Uh, Primo is is the henchman. What do you think of that name for a henchman, Primo? Uh, I don't think it's great. I, I, <laughs> I don't think it's great. I think the only redeeming quality is when Bond called him Cyclops. Uh, which I yeah, I actually... When he called him that, I, I thought maybe that was his name. And I, I would have been good. thought maybe he could have stuck with that. I thought but the actor Primo, was fine. Primo's a little weak. For a henchman, I guess it's like saying like he's the number one. But it was, yeah. Um, he doesn't really have too much to do. He, he's very much true to just being a henchman throughout the whole movie. It's like his M.O. Um, this is, uh, it's also important to note here. Sean, remember, Daniel Craig said after filming Spectre, uh, he was famously asked like weeks after the shoot, the last shoot. And he said, quote, I would rather slash my wrists than play James Bond again yes. in another movie. Um, so, so that's, uh, interesting. Did you feel like he, I didn't feel like he was going through the motions at all though here. I, I thought he like genuinely really tried to give it his best cause he knew it was going to be his last performance going in. I thought he kind of laid laid his cards on the table for the most part. And you could kind of see that in a lot of the action uh, set pieces. I think No Time to Die is Daniel Craig's best James Bond performance. Maybe up there with Casino Royale. But I think they're different performances. I think as bookends to the franchise, I think they're his two best. And you also, you got to give him credit. He stayed in shape through all these movies. But I think probably better. One. That's what I like is, and you can go mm -hmm. back to Casino Royale and see a younger Daniel Craig. But he he's he's more grizzled in this one, not from like a uh, you know kind of like old man kind of way, but he looks beat up a bit. Like he looks he looks the part for this. That's what I appreciated. No, I agree. He definitely look he looks more aged, but he's fit. Like he's not. He didn't, he didn't look like he didn't really, not that any of the Bonds got like super fat or, or over, or like, you know, they didn't get like, um, they didn't let themselves go. Right. But I feel like toward the end of Connery's reign, you know, he was kind of like looking, you know, a little bit out of, out of, out of shape a bit. Roger Moore, I don't know if he was ever really in super Bond like shape. <laughs> he was just a guy. To begin with. Um, yeah, but, but I think Craig, he kind of maintained this, this level of like this physique throughout all the movies. And I, I appreciated that. I thought that was, uh, that was like, he showed that he kind of still cared about it, but it, I mean, you also can make the argument. He's, he's still young enough to be in oh, yeah. a lot of other movies, right? He's he's still got a whole pretty, pretty long career ahead of him. But I, I will say the, uh, the, we have the car chase here. Um, I think, uh, was very good. I think all of the action in this movie was very good. And I didn't think, They've done a million Aston Martin car chases in James Bond movies. I didn't think this felt stale. I thought it felt pretty good. It wasn't anything you necessarily hadn't seen before. I just thought it was shot pretty nicely, um, and it just generally looked good. Oh yeah, the the Aston Martin. It's hard to make it look bad. Yeah, well, but it, but you're right. In this one, it was kind of exceptionally that, I, just the, cool. The scene where they're sitting in the car, surrounded by the guys, and they're firing the guns at the bulletproof car, and he's just. Like this was Daniel Craig is so good in this moment where he's just sitting there and she's like, James, do something, do something. And he's just he's just stone faced and just has this look of like, what do you want me to do? It's your call. What do you want me to do? And it, it gets so close. And finally, he he goes and he kills all the bad guys. But that moment was so good. 
Oh, wait, okay, yeah. So I, I, I really liked, I really liked the every everything about that scene when he, um, you know, at this point, the important thing is before he gets in the car, he gets a call right from, um, basically like a like Primo, like Blofeld sends you, sends his regards, and he immediately he kind of makes the connection that she set him up that Swan. Is is behind it, right. right? I think they said something. They even like make like the oh, he's when he's strangling um, Primo. He's like fighting Primo, and his eye pops out, and he's like, and then Primo's like, um, she's she's ask her, she's one of of Blofelds or something, yes. and uh, yeah, and and the the camera cuts to Craig's face when she, as soon as he he says that, and you could tell, you could read his face. He has a look of like betrayal for like a quick second, and then he goes like right back to strangling, um, to strangling the henchman. I thought that was so well done. Like just a, if you just watch the film, like that quick second of like he thinks about what he says, and he's like, "Whoa!" Like maybe you know maybe he's right. Maybe she betrayed me. This is like it happened before with Vesper, so there's kind of like a precedent for it. I thought that was just so cool. Um, so now they're in the car, and he thinks that she betrays him. Now, it's important. Fans pointed out in this scene. I don't know if you noticed it. I didn't notice when I first watched it, but I rewatched the scene. Vesper, or not, Vesper, uh, Swan, Madeline Swan, she um, says, Bond, I have to tell you something. And when she says that, she looks down at her stomach. Oh, I did not catch that. There you go. All right. So some foreshadowing for later. I didn't. I didn't realize it, but I rewatched the scene. I'm like, oh my god, they're right. And, I, and she never says what she has to tell it, him. It really does mm-hmm. seem in the film like she wants to talk about Spectre or whatever secret she's holding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so he ne- she never gets to say it because Bond is all like, well, you know, he's really kind of dejected. Now, at this point, I think we do have a problem that we could we could talk about is he doesn't just ask her straight up like, are you part of Spectre? I guess he had been burned before in the past and, and figured she would probably just lie to him. Well, I don't but think the, the he automatically just kind of, the answer didn't matter. Yeah. Could have said yes. You could have said, no, he was going to treat it the same either way. Yeah. I guess he, you know, he had, he had been, you know, burned by Vesper before he kind of had this expectation that, like you said, he would treat it either way. Um, so yeah, he didn't, he, he just basically assumed the worst. And after a very cool moment, when the machine guns take out everybody, the, the machine, the car machine guns just spin around and wipe out the whole plaza. Um, they get out of the car. He takes, uh, her, he drives her to the nearest train station and he's like, you get on the train. And she's like, will I ever see you again or something? And he's like, no, you're never going to see me again. Or she's like, how will I know where to find you? And he's like, you won't. You're never going to see me again. And then the train takes off and we slowly pan into opening sequence time. Billie Eilish. What do you think about this uh, this opening sequence? Uh, Perfectly fine. I, I didn't think it was the best. I didn't think it was bad. I thought it was perfectly fine. I think the song was also not bad, just perfectly fine. Yeah, I I wasn't like overall taken aback by the song. I thought it was pretty fitting for it. I guess it was somewhere. It would rank somewhere in the middle. It was no Duran Duran. Well, right. It was no. It was no Paul McCartney. I was thinking about that. Like, remember when they did like pop and pop rock James Bond theme mm-hmm. songs? Like, I do kind of miss those days. I mean, Garbage did a theme song to a James Bond movie. <laughs> Cheryl Crow did a theme to a James Bond movie. Like, I do kind of miss those days, and I think the one thing the song... Because obviously the song came out way before the movie, so 
it wasn't a surprise. But what bums me out about the song is it stays very low and quiet through the whole song. And I was waiting for that classic James Bond theme thing where it's all like this. And they say, and then it goes, you know, and then like it sweeps up. And the song never does that. That bummed me. Yeah. No, no big like. Skyfall um, does that so well because it's Skyfall she moment, does a yeah. lot of like Del. this and Skyfall and then she kind of like boom brings up the energy. I did just yeah I missed that. No cres- no crescendo no. moment. Yeah, it all just kind of stays very low, um, low key. This is a pretty low key um, sequence for the artwork. I actually I was more impressed I think by the the art. I really like the sand, right? The sand from the timer, like dripping down and the Austin Martin getting caught in the sand and like kind of buried, almost like burying like maybe Bond or Craig's legacy or something like that, leaving it in the past. I really like the gun barrels tying into the uh, DNA, the DNA. That was cool. double helix. And then they were like kind of shooting at each other. Look, that was a, a kind of tied with the central plot of the, I guess, the nanobots as, as we get into later on changing people's DNA. Um, overall, it was it was a solid, like, right in the middle kind of uh, uh, title sequence for me. Definitely didn't hate it. Um, so we, we open up, and immediately it's five years later, right? We're in five years in the future after the title sequence, and we are at the Heracles Labs. Um, I don't remember the name of the company. doesn't really matter. It's, it's an off-the-books um, MI6 site. Essentially, yeah, yeah. It's I was gonna say, MI MI six is uh, manufacturing these uh, th- this this whatever this is. We don't, I guess, know exactly yet. We know that Spectre wants it, so we're introduced to um, Valdo Obrichev, played by David Densick. Very fun. Um, Very fun. He's a, he's he's he kind of functions as. The dual like villain slash comic relief movie has of the good movie. Jokes. Movie has good jokes. It does. He he reminds me. I said he he reminded me a lot of Boris from Goldeneye. Yes, he's he's the, he's the villain, but he's also very much he's very quirky, quirky and um, goofy. But it what, and what kind of dry sometimes. I think my favorite thing about him is he never has a side. Like he's never like mm. I'm working for this guy or I'm working or I'm gonna double cross. He's just like. Well, I'm just, no, I'm just here to work. I'm just here to he's do He's in it for job. the science. He's, but he he's a scientist. But that's what's funny. Is he never is like, it's a breakthrough. We've never, it's not even that. He's just <laughs> like, I just like what I do. I'm just here to do science. And I'm like. Yeah, we don't, we don't really get a solid motivation from him. Maybe a little bit but later. But that's what's funny but... is because if like one per James Bond kidnaps him. Okay, I'm with James now. And then like the other guy. <laughs> okay, I'm with, the, you know, like that's, I just love that. Where he's, I guess like, that's true. He's like cool he's, with everything. he's not like a hardcore. I mean, really in the beginning of the movie, he is just a dude at his job and he gets kidnapped. Yeah. And, and like now he's like, okay, I'm, I'll work for whoever's pointing the gun at me. And that's really, uh, really what he, what his character is all about. Um, he says to one of the other scientists, and here's clue number one, why I think it was originally a super virus and not nanobots. He says to the other, the other, he goes to the refrigerator and they wrote like smallpox. Ebola on his smallpox on his lunch or something as a joke. They put like a smallpox like sticker on it and he takes it off and then he sits down and he's like, how about I put some Ebola in your coffee? See how you like it. I will kill you both with Ebola. Like he takes it like way too far. Um, but in, in like a very funny way. But, you know, they're talking about viruses, super viruses. I think that this place was originally designed to work on yeah. 
viruses, like in laboratories, not necessarily the nanobot angle that they go with. So I think that's that's clue number one. Yes. Um, right? He doesn't say like, how about I put nanobots in your coffee? No. They, if they're a nanobot site, then maybe they're working on nanobots. No, well, they but... talk about like hazmat and smallpox, and yeah, it mm-hmm. seems more of a chemical biological. I think, yeah, I think that they. I think they changed everything either in not probably not in post, but they probably reshot some of these scenes with new writing yeah. to imply that uh, that it was nanobots. But um, Spectre breaks in around this time. Well, it's not. And it's not, uh, oh, yes, it is Spectre. That's right. Yeah, it's still Spectre, but it's um, it, it, the, the yeah, the plan, I guess, kind of changes in one of the first twists in the movie. Spectre is trying to steal the nanobots from MI6. Classic Spectre move right there to gain the upper hand on world domination. Um, I thought this was a really brutal scene when they murder all those scientists. That was, man, there, that was brutal. That was there, like, there was that some... brought me right back to Goldeneye, right? With the Severnaya satellite installation when they literally just gun down everybody that's working there. And then Natalia is hiding in the little cupboard. Man, brutal. Yeah, they were just not... completely, completely brutal. They were not afraid to fire some bullets in this movie. I mean, there was a lot. The body count was pretty darn high. Yeah. And, and uh, our, our, our scientist friend Valdo is chosen. He's selected to be the, cause he, cause he has the code, the access code to the super weapon, to the Heracles. And, and man, they make him choose one person to take with him. Cause it's a two person job. Yeah. Um, so he chooses his other scientist friend and then they kill him too. After he opens yeah, it, pretty, they just shoot him. Pretty good. Just totally brutal. Um, but I liked it. It was, I mean, it was a really like, Hard to watch scene, but it was, it was, it showed, it, you know, it outlined why these are the bad guys. Like these are, these are just really bad. But it was it's a bad organization. Very precise. I mean, that's the thing. This wasn't mm-hmm. sloppy. The, the, this wasn't accident. I mean, this was like, these guys were pros and they had to show it. Yeah. Right. Right. So they get this, they get the scientists, they get the virus and Bond gets some well-earned vacation time. Cause in our next scene, we are all of a sudden in Jamaica. And Bond is fishing. Uh, he is relaxing. He is chilling. He's taking a shower. He's retired. We've got a retired, a retired Bond over here. He's he's hung up his spurs. He is no longer with but officially, um, MI6. Officially, because we've had Bond retire mm-hmm. in other movies, but this time right. he is officially no longer double S. Even I think even as recently as Quantum of Solace. Remember where he's he's just, retired, but then at the end he's like, I never actually left. That's right. He just disappears um, for a while. Yeah, he kind of goes rogue. And he also he goes rogue in Skyfall too yes. to go rescue M. Yep. Yeah, so it's um it's nothing new for him to go rogue. He goes rogue in License to Kill when he go he goes in to to figure out who uh tried to kill Felix, who 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 set out to get Felix. So he um he this time he is it is official. He is out of out of work, out of MI6 and he is living the life in Jamaica. Perfect setting given the the Bond history, the history of the franchise, Ian Fleming. Uh, lived in Jamaica most of his later life um, on a big mansion complex called Goldeneye. Uh, so he's he's out there, you know, living it up. And he gets a visit from who else but Felix. Hey. Uh, Felix Leiter, CIA agent, also played by Jeffrey Wright, the great Jeffrey Wright, who is, Jeffrey Wright. has now played Felix Leiter in every Daniel Craig movie 
Um, you can't say that, I think, about any other actor. And I, I think that the actors have changed over the and years. And there's only one other actor who played. So it's three three movies for Jeffrey Wright. He did not appear in Skyfall or Spectre. Um, but only one other actor has played him twice. Uh, David Hedison. Mm. Uh, and everyone else only played him once. So definitely holds the record. So he gets the A. Yeah, this movie gets the record. Um, most Felixes. Mostly Felix. So he um, he's with a friend, too. Logan Ash, who is a young uh, CI4, also, also CIA agent, kind of learning the ropes and assisting Felix. A, a I guess he's kind of like appointee, a... As, as he is described. I just, I really like the scene in the bar where they're all chatting. And, um, uh, <laughs> Logan's just like, he's kind of like, I'm just happy to be here. And the, uh, like lighter and, and bond are all like catching up and like talking about like, you know, they have a, they have long storied careers. He's just kind of like very like happy go lucky. I like the dynamic that they drew. I thought it was really well written between the three of them in that scene. Uh, bond has car issues. So he hitches a ride from a, um, an exotic locale who turns out to be ding, 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 007. Ding, 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 She's ding, the new ding, 007, ding. yeah. Nomi, played by Lashana Lynch. Yes. Now, this is where we get to the very first of the three uh, controversial moments of the Bond movie, right, that we have to address. There are three of them, and they each one of them got a lot of, ta- a lot of, a lot of conversation, right? A lot of... People talking about it, feeling one way or the other. Sean, what was your feeling about yeah, I, uh, I, Lashana Lynch is 007? I, I agreed with a lot of folks. It was unsafe for them to be riding on that scooter without a helmet. And I get why people were upset. I get why people... Listen, I, I'm all for being fun and casual in Jamaica. But you can't skimp on road safety. You're absolutely right. I so now see this is where we disagree because <laughs> while I, I definitely agree with you, you know, it is it is James Bond and it is 007 who he's clearly riding with, right? James Bond and 007. And I think that they, you know, have have got they've been through a lot and they're secret agents. So while I agree kids were watching this movie and kids um definitely should learn to wear helmets. Bond. You know, yeah, I don't that's the thing. Impressionable youth, impressionable youth yeah. in this movie. So, uh, um, no, joking aside, um, I don't care. Uh, I thought, I don't give a shit who plays James Bond. I really don't. I have bigger fish to fry in my life. My only issue with Nomi in this movie is I don't think she's given enough to do in like an impactful sense. Like she's in the movie, but she doesn't really do anything to impact the movie. And I also think they wrote her character too serious. She didn't quip enough to be a 007. And maybe that was on purpose to get some contrast with Daniel Craig. I just thought she came off as more of a general secret agent than she did a 007. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't... I don't have a problem. I think uh, Lashana Lynch is wonderful. I've seen her in other projects. I think she's great. I think she wasn't well-written in this, unfortunately. But I don't give a shit. If they want her to play 007, I don't care. You just got to write her more into that role. Uh, what did you think? Um, I, I followed the controversy pretty closely at, leading up to the film. I, I, the whole time I thought it was an overreaction. 
a lot of people were like, oh, Momo, see, they're replacing Bond with with a woman. It's well woke this and that. I didn't have a problem with it. I I um, but I'm kind of like you. I I don't think she was given the justice in terms of the writing that she really should have. Like her her quips were all basically like, oh, I'm 007. How much does that suck, Bond? But they that must suck to not be that. 007 That's anymore. That's my problem. Is they didn't... that was her whole thing? The idea of having you've retired. So guess what? We hire someone to replace you is a great movie premise. Like you could have done a whole movie on that, but she didn't like contract. Like she either had to be more serious or less serious. Like she was awkwardly in between. Like if she had been more like, I'm really by the book. I can't believe you did that James and all that, but she didn't do enough of that to show the contrast. I get the feeling that she was scaled back a lot due to backlash. I think that there, they were, they the writers when they when they probably when they did rewrites they might have thought that people would that the internet outrage i guess would have would have boiled over i think that they might have they i get the sense that maybe some scenes were cut maybe I, some rewrites were done I, I i don't agree with that i i maybe you're right i we truly don't know i think this is just a movie packed with a know. lot of characters and i think there's just they couldn't find the time it's two hours and 40 minutes i mean it's like i just don't think if you're gonna do if you're gonna bring in jeffrey wright and you're gonna bring in the 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 mi6 team and you're gonna bring in rami malik and you're gonna bring in logan ash and you're gonna bring in all the and the scientists and the virus and the kid and a lot of characters it's a packed movie and again i think either you make a james realizes he has a family movie or James has to compete with his replacement movie. I don't think you can do both in a single film. It, it's it was a lot to juggle, and so they they had no time to die, no time for Nomi. I guess you could say that's in, right. In this. Unfortunately, they, a lot of she she did kind of get shortchanged, but I wasn't I wasn't really upset by her at all. I, I she didn't got, bother me. I, I thought, and I I actually kind of liked her a little, like um under you know kind of nag like like um giving it to Bond a little bit and ribbing a little bit. Um, but at some point in the movie, I guess she just is like, oh, it's not so fun anymore. And he, she's kind of like, all right, I'll, I'll give you the keys back well, again. That's the other thing. And, and, we don't uh, even get a particularly great moment very of quick. that. Like they kind of breeze. Mm-hmm. Like you have the big moment at the end where she's like, you know what? Sometimes you do got to break the rules. Like we never really <laughs> earned that moment. That's what's frustrating. Yeah, it was, it wasn't, they didn't make a lot of time to develop that. No. Um, but I thought Lashana Lynch was fantastic. I, I I blame mostly the writing on it. I didn't think that she was well written entirely. Uh, I think that they were going for the angle of like, what if there was a Bond girl who was just you know repulsed by Bond, and and like not just like oh repulsed in the beginning and then he seduces her and and like because everybody's got to love Bond. Like just like from the beginning, she's like, no, you're a creep. You're like a dinosaur. It's kind of like what we saw with with M in a way. Like M wasn't the love interest, obviously, but right, she kind of warmed up to Bond as a as a a, um, a boss. But um, in the beginning, remember, she's like, I don't like you. You're a dinosaur from the Cold War. You're a womanizer. You're just like yeah. a misogynist. Um, I think that was just kind of her angle. But we didn't we didn't really get that. A lot of it was just like, how huh, how does it feel to not be 007 i'm 007 she just like showed up shot some stuff and left yeah speaking of showing shooting stuff showing up shooting stuff and leaving sean anna de armas 
is in the next scene. Oh, are you talking about my MVP of this movie? <laughs> she got my MVP no. stamp. Seriously, I, I agree. I thought she was awesome in this movie. She, like, I was like, make that character bond. Like, at least it's a little more interesting and complex, but... Yeah, that was great. I thought she was great. She was so cool. I would totally... Would you not go see a Paloma spinoff? Um, well, but not only was like, she great, that character was really funny. Um, yeah. But, like, in a way where... Because, again, they do such a good job of setting her up where she's like, oh, she's just, like, she's got the suit and she dresses up. Oh, she's... Hey, look, I'm at the party. And, you know, hey, this is cool. And then she kicks so much ass. Like, it's really... <laughs> she does. And then they do... I, I appreciate the fact that at the end, she's like, here you go. You're all set, man. Nice working with you, Bob. We never see her again. Out. Like, whoa, <laughs> that was cool. We never see her again, which is uh, uh, very, yeah. She, so she's also a CIA agent, right? Yes. And um, I guess they didn't, they could have gotten, I would have thought like maybe Felix would be in these scenes because he's the CIA agent that Bond works with. But I guess they wanted to have another hot girl. But they they do the they do a very cool subversion where she's like there's not into Bond which is right. cool I think that's like very it fits very like a modern like you know Daniel Craig kind of style Bond where it's you know but also the fact um, that she was new to it I think also mm -hmm. helped because there was a little bit of uh, skepticism and a little bit of learning the ropes um, yeah you know where she like chugs down the martini you know it's, it was little yep, things yep, like that drink, yeah. She's nervous. Yeah, it, but it was great. She was awesome. She kicked a lot of butt. Um, they are attending a birthday party for Blofeld. That's where they meet up. Um, Bond and and Paloma, played by the uh, actress, the great actress, Anna de Armas. Um, um, seen some of her other stuff. Knives Out. She was really good at Knives Out. So um, they're at Blofeld's birthday party somewhere in Europe. I don't I don't remember. No, but, it's in Cuba. Um Oh, it's Cuba. You're right. You're right. It's in Cuba. Um, and this is where the creepy eye can, like, Blofeld can see him through the eye. Because he's still in prison, right? He's still locked up That's by right. MI6. So, but but he can see him in the pillow. I think the pillow on, was on funny. Creepy that was eye. walking around with the, with the, because yeah. again, it's mm -hmm. not like even like a head with the eye in it or like a camera. It's just an eye on a pillow. Loved it. That was very funny. And uh, all of all of Spectre is here to celebrate um, Blofeld's birthday in this secret lair in Cuba. And they see Bond at the lair at the party. And so cue the uh, poison that falls from the ceiling. The nanobots. Here's clue number two. Breadcrumb bread number two. Actually, this is breadcrumb number three. I forgot number two. Back at the lab, right? They take it out of a cryo-freeze um, like setting, which I don't know if you would need that for nanobots. I'm not a scientist necessarily, but I just play one on TV. I think the nanobots could be dormant without being in cryo freeze, but a virus, that's something I would cryo freeze. Right. So right. anyway, here's breadcrumb number three, clue number three, that this was a virus, uh, in the start of the, of the film. Uh, it falls from the ceiling like a, you know, like, like kind of like a spray, like a mist, um, which I guess I suppose you could do with nanobots. But in like every movie trope ever, when they're, you know, spraying poison or a, or a disease or virus or something, it's usually like through the air, like a mist like that. Um, and I, I don't I just don't know if you if that's an effective means of 
transmitting bloodborne nanobots. Uh, but anyway, uh, the it is designed to kill Bond, right? Because the the, the Specter th- Blofeld thinks that the the virus is or the nanobots are geared toward uh, Bond's DNA. Mm-hmm. But actually, spoiler here, the twist. They're geared toward everybody but Bond and Anna de Armas and the, the scientists, of course, who's also at the party. He changed the, D, the DNA. He changed the coding. Um, our our Obrachev did, our scientist friend. And it kills all of Spectre in one fell swoop. They all just get all these horrible boils on their face and drop dead. Um, do you think this was like for time? Do you think this was a COVID thing too? That's one of the things I keep thinking about in this movie is like, how much of it did they change because of the pandemic? Like, was this supposed to be a big fight scene where Bond like fights everybody and fights his way to the end? And they said like, oh, you know what? Just screw it. Let's just get, kill them all with the nanobots. Like shooting of the, what do you think? Shooting of the film wrapped at the end of December, 2019. So they weren't shooting when COVID started. Nor, oh, is that really? according to what I've read, nor did they do any pickup shots. So I thought they, didn't they have a lot of issues filming uh, Craig and Malik together? Well, or maybe that was just scheduling. I thought that was pandemic well, related. Well, the shooting but. started, or was supposed to start in December of 2018, a year prior. Movies don't usually take a mm. whole year to shoot. It was delayed. So, no, no, there were definitely issues, but apparently principal photography wrapped, um, and they may have done some pickups, okay. but I I got to be honest. Like, I get the theory, and I just think they're way... Well, I you know what? I'd have to go back and watch the movie, having now heard this theory, and see if I can... There's a lot you can do with uh, voice dubbing and effects, um, but I, is was it in response to COVID? I would be surprised surprised or maybe maybe if not for covid maybe for just time just cut for time well, because this is a long movie or they were just like I mean, that's more likely i guess oh i i just oh maybe it just doesn't make sense that you could program a virus mm. like that's not how viruses work maybe it should be a nanobots instead you know i definitely i feel like that part was changed in post i, I think that might have been might have been around the pandemic or, or just might have been like, oh, nanobots are just cooler and sexier or whatever. But I feel like a, a lot of things lead me to believe that, that it, they changed it. I don't know if we'll ever get a, a solid answer on that unless we like interview somebody well, who that's, I just, was, was behind the scenes on it. I just mm. Googled it. Yeah. And um, this was uh, David Densick, who plays Valdo in the movie said, uh, yeah. I think it's exactly as it was. Nothing changed to my knowledge. It's not that sensitive, in my opinion, towards the current pandemic, because who's going to be offended by the fact that it taps into something that everyone suffers from? But there may have been considerations. I'm not aware of those. And he would have had to have done reshoots, so he would know. That's true. Okay, that's true. So maybe, okay, my theory might, maybe but it dies there. There, also was an, but that was... there was also an autofill in Google search, no time to die virus change to nanobots. So you're not the first oh, person. Okay, so I'm not alone. Yeah, I, it was just something it, I, you know, it's one of those things that stayed with me. Um, just, I mean, how could it not, you know, all the, everything going on in the world and, yeah, makes sense. uh, changing while the movie was being made. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's, it's interesting. It was just interesting. The, uh, the decisions that they made, uh, I, yeah, I really wish that Paloma could have stuck around though. 
she just just bounces right after this really cool scene. I just love how how Bond is so like you know business as usual as he goes through and he's like just taking everybody out, and she's really doing a great job of holding her own, even though it's her first mission. And uh, is just a complete badass in her own right. I, I thought that was really cool to see. You think she becomes the new Felix? I hope so. I really hope so. That would be cool. I don't think so, but I hope so. I mean, that would be cool. Really cool. Um, They get on a boat, Bond and uh, Felix and Logan are on a boat. Uh, oh, Nomi's there too, but Nomi's not on the boat. She leaves. She flies away, I think, in a helicopter or something. Yeah. Um, And they're on the boat. And uh, this is our scene where we've got uh, – they're asking Obrachov, like, who he works for. What is he What is he doing? Uh, again, he's just like, okay, like, I'll get on the boat with you now. Like, you're, I'm friends with you. So um, he's, they're trying to get answers out of him, and he immediately looks over to uh, – he looks over Logan to uh, Logan Nash. Looks right at him. And then Bond knows, like – He's the traitor. It's funny because he's like, well, I don't know. Ask, ask that guy. <laughs> I thought that was really, yeah, I thought it was really like, um, it's very, very like old school spy movie, right? Body language kind of gives him away yes. in the end because he keeps looking over to him and he's like, why is he looking over at him? Oh, that's because he's working with him. And Logan, um, yeah, picks up a gun and shoots Felix in the stomach. So, yep, I guess he was the traitor. Uh, he basically takes the, does he take the virus with him or he just escapes? I forget. He, he does like a basically no, just he a I'm out with Oberchev. Oh, he takes the scientist. Yeah, Oberchev with him. Leaves Bond and Felix in the boat, which is now sinking. Um, because I guess there's some charges, some yeah, explosives that yeah. he put on there. Um and Felix dies in Bond's arms. Very uh sad conclusion. Felix dies in this movie, everybody. Um Felix Leiter. He uh he didn't he never died before? He he came close in License to Kill. He gets eaten by you know half eaten by a shark, eats his leg. Um, so rough, and I think his wife dies in that one. So it's it's rough. That's a rough rough time for him. But he's never been killed before. Um, worst day ever for Felix Leiter. Well, and there was the great uh, not to fast forward, but when Logan Ash eventually meets his demise, there's the line. You know, he says, why don't you help me out, brother, to James Bond? And James Bond says, I had a brother. His name was Felix Leiter. So, um, very impactful. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I guess you you really, this movie really, you get the sense of, like, the relationship between Felix and Bond. Like, that they weren't just co-workers. They were friends, like, really good friends. Between hanging out at the bar and stuff and and chatting uh, in Bond's retirement. And uh, now here, you see, like, Bond feels like it's kind of all happening over again because he dies in a very similar way that Vesper died by drowning. Um, I think I knew something was up as soon as he said, that's a lot of blood. I was like, all right, he's, he's not going to make it. He's they're not, he's not making it. It's Craig's last movie. And this is kind of where that hit for me. It's like, things are going to end. Like there's a, there's going to be like a, they're going to put a bow on some things that in this movie, um, and it's gonna it's it's not afraid to go places. So this is this is a little bit of I guess some foreshadowing uh, when Felix dies. Um, so what did you think? Did you think he was after after you saw that scene in the beginning? Would you think he was gonna make it? No, I think you know obviously he'd been in a number of these movies. I think raising the stakes is always a thing the Bond franchise does, and 
you know, I, I just, I, I wasn't wholly surprised. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, raising the stakes is a good, it's a good phrase there. Cause it, from this point on, it, it's, it really is. You get the sense that this is definitely has gone beyond even a vendetta that bond has yes. against uh specter. We're back at M's office. Um, bond escapes the ship uh, and meets with bond. And here you notice a, like a dynamic shift in the bond M relationship. I wrote up until now, M is very much Bond's superior. Like M talks down to Bond in a lot of movies. Go. This is going all the way back to to Connery, right? Bond is reprimanded by M. Bond is scolded by M. Bond is put in his place by M. Um, Bond usually gets the you know the upper hand by the end of the movie, just like because he he does the mission and he wins. But M is kind of more like a stern parent. Here it's Bond that's lecturing M. Because right. he kind of has leverage now because he, he retired and he comes in and the first thing he says is like, did uh did that desk shrink or did you or did that did the desk grow or did you just get smaller? So like uh, he, he kind of the tables have kind of turned in a way. We also see like it's revealed later in the movie that the the whole nanobot project was M's idea in in the first place. So it really everything that happens in a way is it's kind of M's fault. Right. M has like kind of direct responsibility for it. And that's something that we don't really see in previous uh, films. Although it is nice because um, it gives uh, Ray Fiennes who plays uh, M some very good dramatic scenes as he comes to grip with uh, what he's done. Yes. And he, he was, I thought this was his best performance as M uh, so far. He's given, he's given a lot to work with. He has a lot of range. They give him like some comedic stuff like with Q when Q, Q, remember Q's like pretending that he he's seeing Bond for the first time, and he's oh shut up Q, I know that he's been living with you the whole time. Like, uh, it's, he's got he's got some good quips in there. He's got a very obviously very serious um monologue or or uh, dialogue at the very end, very serious uh, uh recitation, and um he's got a lot of range for for sure. Um, we go also to Q, so Q's, we see Q's apartment for the first time and Q says that he's expecting someone and he'll be here in, uh, 15 minutes or something, or he's running a little bit late. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a good, that was a really cool thing, um, to include in a Bond movie, like a modern Bond movie. Um, I think making, making Q an LGBTQ character was the right way to go. I thought it was, it was really neat and it was really good, cool the way they handled it. Like they didn't make like a super huge big deal of it. It was just like a thing and, and it was cool. I thought it was a cool thing. Do you know what I thought for a split second might happen? I, I what? really, and this is the brain I live in. I really thought that at the end of the scene, the doorbell was going to ring and the gentleman was going to show up and they were going to open the door and it was going to be Pierce Brosnan. Now, how cool that would have been awesome that would now these yes. movies don't usually do the gimmicky stuff like that oh, even like wow. timothy dalton that would have been cool been amusing. yeah um they don't and i wish that they do because it that reminds me of like the end of skyfall i thought the caretaker of the orphanage was going to be sean connery yeah and i thought that would have been just cool it would have just been a like a neat moment like he's not playing bond he's just you know another character in this world I think that would have been that would have been good. I I I, I bet Pierce Brosnan would have uh, would have signed in in for it, but um, that would have been fun. That would have been a nice a nice callback or a nice reference. Uh, but yeah, they don't really do that too much in no. the Bond movies. No. Um, 
but yeah, so we we get uh, Q's also got a, a hairless cat, which was kind of cool and very Q appropriate. I just liked I liked the whole way they kind of showed, but didn't really tell Q's character, and it, and we got like a lot of flavor about this character that we don't really. He's not really, you know, he's he's the inventor guy. He's the quirky Bond inventor, but we don't get a lot of his like personality. And they they managed to eject a lot of personality in this one scene for this character. Well, and we, and we I get, thought that was really cool to see. We get the great James Bond line over the hairless cat. He says, uh, "You know, these come with hair now." Yep, yep, yeah. Good joke. Movies got jokes. Yeah, very, very good. Um, but they're they're at his apartment because they need to figure out what the deal is with these these nanobots. And I guess um. Uh, he figures he, they, they do something on the computer. Q does his computer stuff and looks up, um, the, the backstory with these, um, nanobots, right. With the, with the, um, the DNA and everything yeah, they, and how they, they how they work. At this point, I think at this point they've more or less figured out that it uses as a DNA controlled, uh, virus or nanobots, whatever. Um, it's at this point though, they realize that he has all the DNA of a lot of people and if he were yes. to use that, that that's where the scale of it's not a targeted weapon. It's a mass weapon. Um, and that's where things uh, start to get a little more serious. This is like your snow, snowflake, yes. snowflake from the Fast and Furious. This is the snowflake moment where they this is just becomes Maybe the snowflake. that's why they're like, nanobots and not a virus is because they saw Hobbs and Shaw and said, we can't do that. Oh, right, right. Copyright. Yes. Maybe um, when you're here, your family. So the, uh, at this point, this is about when Safin goes and visits Madeline. Yes, that is uh, actually the next. That's the next scene. Yeah, they uh, Madeline meets with Safin. Um, Safin is posing as her client, right? As her um, patient, because she's a psychologist, yes. psychiatrist, yes. and um, Safin is is like her, basically her next client, her next. Um, uh, uh, her next uh person. Yeah, he's a real weirdo. Treating, treating real, real, real. And he, wow. I thought this is this was might have been Malik's best scene in the whole movie, like where he really kind of comes across as just a creepy, very creepy. He does the whole like pausing at just the right moment kind of thing, like as a Bond to make it just creepy enough to make you like wonder what he's going to say next. And, and um, he has the mask in the box and he shows it to her. Like he, he, he just very cool. He does that psychological moment. Rami Malek makes a good villain thing where he's always saving someone's life connects you to them forever. The same as taking it. They belong yep. to you. And you're like, Oh shit. Oh, so creepy. This guy's not right. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of creepiness that, um, I thought Blofeld had in back in in um oh no no not Blofeld uh Javier Bardem oh sure back oh, yeah. in Skyfall holy shit I thought that dude was crazy I, I thought it was like that that right level of just just totally like this guy is unhinged and he's and he's but he's smart enough yes. to to make terrible things happen uh, like the Joker like this was you know no one I don't think anyone can be on on Heath Ledger's plain but um very much for a bond film this was just like super super good um i mean contrast it with the old bond villains that were very like lavish and 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 eccentric in a way like goldfinger 
or I'm thinking of the, like the guy from Moonraker who was just basically a big eugenicist. Um, they n- not as like, they were memorable for other reasons for being like lavish and eccentric, but you didn't get the sense that these people were psychopaths more, more kind of like, I guess the whole painting people gold is a little psychopathic, but you didn't get the the sense like, Oh, this person can kill half the world in the blink of an eye just right. because he can just to unleash chaos. He's, Their he's motives passionate. were all like, I'm, I just want a lot of money or I want to, you know, rule space or something. But yeah, it was passion. This is like, whoa, this, this guy's just not like, he is just, you know, just sociopathic. And, and that's what Rami Malek is with Safin. Uh, and so our next scene, we get Blofeld. We get Madeline meeting up with, um, Bond, Bond meeting up with Blofeld. Um, they're the important. Hmm? And just before that, Safin gives Madeline, uh, a virus targeted at Blofeld that she applies to her wrists, uh, in the restroom before going out. Yes. That's, that's important. That's yeah, important. Some, uh, the, the perfume of course has the nanobots, right. And they're coded to kill him. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all it's this is just show, shows you kind of the depth of his planning because it's all like pieces coming together. So she sees Bond and she sees Blofeld and she immediately freaks out and she's like, I can't go in there. I can't be in there with him. You don't understand. You don't know what this is. You don't know what what like is happening right now. She sees it all coming. But then immediately Bond grabs her wrists. Oh, uh, conveniently. Uh, conveniently. Only in movies like, hey, you know, you know, the guy, the guy's writing the script are like, we need some way for the virus to get from her to Blofeld, but she can't actually touch him. Uh, I don't know. Just put it on her wrist. He can grab her. Like, I was like, oh my. Like, he I, I feel like they, they really, else. they had to do a couple of jumping jack flips to, to get it in there. But that's a really hard thing, right? Because you can't give Bond the nanobots perfume, right? Because he would probably smell that trap literally a mile away. Uh, so you give it to, you give it to Madeline and, but then you, you really have to make sure like bond gets close with her and, and gets that, you know, on his hands. It's a tough, I think it's a tough, it was a tough box. It was hard to write out of Blofeld is also in his glass box and you have to get him out of that box. Um, which he does by taunting bond, right? He goes cuckoo. Like, like he's like, I thought that that Bond really like I I I feel like Craig's Bond. I mean, he's known to be like pretty cool and collected in a lot of these movies, and it, it really didn't seem like something he would do. Like you know, ang- aggravatingly strangle Blofeld to death in his chair, like he did. Um, I thought that was like Bond is usually cooler than that and smarter than that. And I felt like he was just really easily manipulated in that moment, especially this aged Bond that's like probably even more experienced. This is like a casino. What would happen in Casino Royale? Not, not, not no time to die, Bond. I don't know. What do you think about that? Him um, killing, killing Blofeld like that. But I, I believe he didn't mean to kill Blofeld. I really believe because Bond kind of insinuates that afterwards. He's like, I, I was just interrogating him. You know, I, I don't think Bond was ever going to rough him up. Yeah, exactly. I don't think he was actually going to kill him. I think Bond is smarter than that. And if it weren't for the virus, I think he'd still be alive. 
Um, because I don't. He doesn't like snap his neck. You're right. Yeah, it's it's the it's the the nanobots that get on him and kill him. Right. Which, by the way, is another I just thought he was. What? I think that's the movie having its cake and eating it too, where Blofeld still dies, yeah. but Bond doesn't have to like, ah, oh, I'm so pissed off, I'm going to kill you. You know, I, I just, I, I think that's just one of those little tricks. So no, I don't, I don't think he was actually going to kill him. No, I also it was it was a bow that they had to put on this too, like they did with Felix, and and later in the movie, they they have to you know wrap this up. Blofeld can't live, right? He, otherwise, um, other things don't make sense. So. They have to, um, they have to knot him, knot him up. Um, and, uh, so after this, oh, by the way, better or worse death scene than in, um, for your eyes only for Blofeld. I don't know. We don't know if he dies, but remember he gets dropped in the smokestack in the opening sequence. Oh yeah, way better. No, listen, uh, I, I think there's eight different ways Blofeld has died better than, I mean that's a that's a that's a lame way to go out. I, you know, when they were said they were bringing back Blofeld for this movie, I was skeptical, and I think, I think that I get why they brought him back. He is a little bit of a is Blofeld really behind this? But it's somebody even badder than him. Like I'm okay with that, but I don't think that scene added a ton to the movie. And he really was just an excuse to like show Madeline and the virus and that whole thing. And so it just didn't, I don't think he was particularly impactful in the scene. So he really, I mean, they, he's a loose yeah. end that just has to be tied up at this point. You know, I don't know. Um, I almost would have maybe brought him to the party, like had him escape somehow, like how Blofeld does. And, um, he can just have him killed at his, at his birthday party with all the other henchmen, I guess. But, um, the next scene, we go to Bond reuniting with Madeline, uh, him and Madeline escape to Norway, back to her childhood home, essentially in, uh, in Norway. Only, um, only now there is, uh, somebody else at her house, a, a young girl that is uh, hanging out on the, Yeah. Um, a little girl that MI6 apparently was completely unaware of, even though they were keeping surveillance tabs on her for her whole life, uh, or at least since she left Bond. Yeah, never came up. Um, never came up, Inspector. But the fact that she was pregnant and gave birth, they just either either they knew and didn't tell Bond, which is pretty shitty, um, or they they I guess they're MI6, they're an intelligence network that's basically exists to know things, but that is not something that they know. Well, and, um, and of course, Inspector Swan travels to Tangier and to London and is almost killed a bunch of times, but I guess she just had a really good sitter. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, when you first saw the girl, did you think it was Bond's kid right away? Yes, but... I fell for the movie thing of when she said it wasn't his. I'm like, mm, maybe it's, I thought it was going to be, I knew at the end that it was going to be like Bond's daughter. I thought it was going to be a, it may not be his kid, but he loves Madeline so much. He treats it like his kid. That's what I thought was going to happen. I, I was skeptical at first, but only really only for about like five seconds. And then they did the blue eye thing. Yeah. 
where they like really emphasized that her eyes were the same as as Daniel Craig's as Bond's. And then I was like, okay, yeah, that's his kid. That's totally his kid right there. Like, um, I liked that they did the eye. The eye thing made sense because it, it's unique for Daniel Craig being the only blonde, not the only blue eye. I think Timothy, did Timothy Dalton have blue eyes? Should I Google what color are Timothy Dalton's eyes? I'm literally doing just that. <laughs> I think you could put on a I watch list it. for doing that. No, I just, I just Googled a picture. No, he's got brown eyes. I'm pretty sure Craig is the only blue eye bond. And and so that's cool. That's a that's like a neat thing. Um it's it's unique to him. So yeah, so this is his kid. Bond is a daughter. Wild. Um Bond is a father. How many kids do you think he actually has? Oh, does I mean he's So actually, you know what? D- the Bond Bond is a character, hundreds. Bond Daniel Craig Bond zero. Remember that scene back in Casino Royale where he's getting tortured and the way he's getting tortured? That's right. But also, I, I thought that would have almost certainly left him sterile, but but also uh, I guess not. Daniel Craig hangs on to his like he's not one night standy James Bond, you know, like he has a love and sticks with it, unlike the other guys. So you might be right. Yeah, like he, he seems pretty monogamous for a Bond. And uh, also a lot of there's a lot of tor- a lot of um, testicular torture, tor- tor- torsion, torque, yeah. torquen, torsion. Bad, yeah, bad things happening in an area that you need for child making. So we'll leave it at that. I, I thought, um, I definitely thought he would have been unable to have kids, but good for him. I guess it, it, it worked out. And he's got a lovely daughter named, um, named Ma- uh, Matilde. Matilde is, is her name. Not a good name. Um, she's got a nice French name like her mom, whose last name is Swan. Yes. Which is not French. That's what's really funny is Madeline Swan. She speaks French in the opening scene with her mom. They're living in Norway, though. And um, were they speaking, very international. Were they very speaking European. French the whole movie? Totally. I thought that, yep, was, that was, they were speaking French. I thought that was Norwegian. Nope. French. Yeah. 100% French. I th- Actually, I thought the opening scene was in Switzerland mm. for a long time. But then the movie confirms it's Norway when they look at like a GPS. But anyway, mm. um, Ma- Matilde is a very, very cute girl. She's got a toy bunny named uh, uh, Doodoo is the bunny's name. And uh, a little bit of trivia there. She, uh, Bond makes her breakfast. Remember he like, he cuts up like an apple or something or it, it, it peels it and like gives it to her. It's like his idea of make, like preparing. You'd think Bond would know how to cook like all kinds of cool things, but he like cuts up an apple and is like, how is it? It's pretty he good, he right? No kids. No, that's that's the yeah, that's the quirky like doesn't know kids kind of moment. I like it. Um, and it's at this point in the movie, by the end of the scene, No Time to Die becomes officially the longest Bond movie. It's at this this at this point in the runtime, all other Bond movies have ended. Exhausting. And we are not even halfway. We're like about halfway through, sort of. Um, maybe a little more than halfway. So, uh, bad people are coming. They're on their way to seize the three of them. So Bond, Ma- Ma- Madeline and Matilde and Dudu all hop in the, uh, the Humvee, the Land the Rover. The four by four, as they say. <laughs> the four by four. Yeah. Uh, and they, they prepare for a chase with other Land Rovers at, that are also chasing them through the, uh, Norwegian highway until they take it off road 
and they they go into a forest. They all crash. I really like this chase scene in the forest when they're when they're out of their vehicles because Bond is is kind of in it back in his element again of like setting traps and uh, laying down. Like it's very primitive, very primal, yep. but it's, it harkens back to like a simpler Bond where he's just like looking for the cameras in the hotel room and like very subtly taking people out stealthily. Um, you don't really see that anymore. Bond has become like another big shooty action guy. And, and so just for this brief moment, he's kind of thrown back into this, like really spy kind of man versus nature kind of scenario. I I agree. I thought it was a, a great sequence all the way around, especially when he got to, you know, a lot of the action was very close up and it was very, um, it wasn't flashy or gimmicky, but I will say I did wish they they did more of the stunts in real life and not with effects. I thought the cars looked a little CGI-y. Um, a lot of the motorcycles looked a little computer effects-y. I really, I feel like they could have wrecked some Land Rovers and not done it digitally as much. That bummed me out. But I think overall they looked pretty good. Yeah, um, the car. I guess the cars themselves wasn't. I wasn't super enthralled by that. It looked a little bit like a commercial. <laughs> They're like riding off road, like bouncing around. But I, I really liked the uh, the the jungle combat yeah. and the stealth kind of uh, combat. Um, this is when he 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 catches uh, one of the henchmen with a clothesline. He puts like a trip wire up, and the the guy's coming in on a motorcycle. He just like clips him. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, falls down and then he gets um ash is trying to like run him over and he flips the car around and and he like is crawling out of it and that's where he gets the like spare me brother and then he's he's i lighter was my brother felix was my brother and he crushes him with the car i thought that was that reminded me of um roger moore in um was it a view to a kill where he kills the guy with the car he like kicks it off the cliff earlier than that but yeah it was roger moore um, I could be wrong, uh, but no, I thought he was just going to walk away and let the car do the work. I loved he pushed the car. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was for your eyes only. Okay. Yeah, that I looked it up. Right. Yep, for your eyes only. That was the one. Yeah, he kicks it off there. Um, more famously, thought that was too dark, right, for a bond bond to do. Yeah. But it was. Um, yeah, that was. That's that's kind of what it instantly reminded me of. Um, Madeline, however, Madeline and Matilde are kidnapped by. Um, Safin who shows up and takes him uh, to his lair. He's got a, of course he's a bond villain. So of course he's got to have a lair on an island. And this layer hmm? on an island, on an island. Yeah. Yes. An island off the coast of Japan. Um, Cause he's, he's got to have it right. It's, it's, this is a bond movie after all. This is when um, Nomi they're back at, at M at, at MI six headquarters. And Nomi asks uh, requests, that M give uh, the title back to double to bond 007. She says, it's just a number, um, which, you know, bond seems like pretty, pretty cool. They're cool. Now, both of them are cool. Cause they gotta be cool. They're on the same team. Right. Uh, and it's, yeah, just a number. Um, they go to Safin's Island base, which is, I guess, really easy to find. How do they find it so quickly? Uh, there's, they don't really, there's, there's maps at Madeline's house. Oh, in right. The in the secret, secret room. room. Yes. Yep. The secret, the, the secret specter room. Yes. Um, she's got that secret room 
uh, which I just thought that was awesome. It's like all like got Spectre stuff all over the wall. I just imagine like Madeline growing up and discovering that room is like, what, what is, what is all of this? Like what, why is there an octopus on everything? <laughs> what, what is that? What is going on? Um, yeah. So they got, they have the maps everywhere. So they're able to, to figure out Safin's base. Uh, this is the point where it kind of falls apart for me with Safin. It's like, what, what is, I don't get what his goal is here. He wiped out all of Spectre. I get that because he has a vendetta because they killed his parents. Right. right? So that makes sense to me, but, but all right, he's a, he's a, a global terrorist, but what is his motivation? What's his MO? Like, does he want world domination? Does he want world peace? Does he want a cache of nuclear weapons? Does he want money? Like what, what is the goal? No, I don't even know if he knows what the goal no, is. Matt, it was, it was, I thought it was obvious. Um, he doesn't have one at all. He doesn't have a plan. <laughs> because Matt, if but he spent all this money and time on building a base. That's what I'm saying. Like if you're going to get a DNA controlled nanobot virus to kill Spectre, you might as well use it to kill as many people as possible. You already have it. Like you have to go through. He's the got a pretty. It, it's like a pretty intricate base too. It's got labs. It's got, it's got a garden, a death garden. Yeah, it doesn't say how um, he got the money for that. The death garden, by the way, a, a lot of people um, have been pointing this out. It's a uh, callback to the novelization of "You Only Live Twice," Ugh. where um, in the book, um, it's the the character, the like villain has a death garden and he grows like poisonous plants and stuff. In yeah. That, that so, was also didn't get that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it didn't. It, it happened because the movie needed it to. I mean, it really, it really, uh, again, Rami Malek is really good at babbling about stuff and more power to him, but I didn't, didn't get it. He is pretty good about babbling about stuff, right? There's the part where he takes Madeline or he takes, um, uh, the girl, the young girl, he takes uh, Matilde, and their names are so damn similar. Matilde, Madeline. He takes her in his arms and he shows her around the Death Garden, around all like the poisonous stuff. And he's like, "And someday this will all be yours." It's yeah, like weird. What? What? Like, what are you her? talking about? I mean, I guess because he's just her. so weird. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'll. I, he had, there's there's definitely like a sensitivity toward young girls, right? Because he saves. Both of them. He saves Madeline and he saves Matilda. I think he sees them as his property. Remember, he says yes. like if you save, if you save their life, like you own them. Basically, is what he tells her in that um, session. So maybe he sees like both of them as objects that he owns. Um, but it, it's his motivations are extremely unclear at this point. Cool. We don't know. He wiped out all of Spectre. It's like, is he going to try to wipe out MI six next? But why? Like, what's the point well, here's of the, it all. Here's a, here's a quote from the film uh, right around this time. Uh, he says, the thing that no one wants to admit is that most people want things to happen to them. We tell each other lies about the fight for free will and independence, but we don't really want that. We want to be told how to live and then die when we're not looking. People want oblivion, and a few of us are born to build it for them. So here I am, their invisible god sneaking under their skin. Bond says, you know, history isn't kind to men who play god. And then he replies, and you don't. We both eradicate people to make the world a better place. I just want it to be tidier. I, I don't know what any of that means. That, but that's that's, that's the closest babble. clue we get to his motivation, I guess, is he wants to make the world a better place, but we don't know how or why or any of the in-betweens. Um, 
it is a lot of villain babble. <laughs> it is like a lot of villain villain exposition. Like, and I was kind of waiting the whole time for like, are we going to get a solid explanation of why he's doing all this? But it never, we never do. We also don't really get an explanation for why MI6 is involved in this particular case at all. Like they, they bring the Navy, the British Navy is like there to fire missiles at the base that's off the coast of Japan. You know how upset? Yeah, I would. I feel like this would this would spark some kind of international incident. It would have made more sense if they would they tell Bond. Emma's like, we can't. You know, we can't send you there. Like, we don't have jurisdiction over those waters. And Bond is like, then I'm. You know, they've got my wife and my kid. I'm gonna go a rogue. I'm gonna go alone. And M like knows it, but he like turns a blind eye to it, and he's like, okay, like you're there unofficially, and and or something. Yeah. But instead, they like they like send him there, which is kind of messed up. But when villain plans used to be simple, like, hey, why don't we just irradiate the world's supply of gold? Right. Well, I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing is they had at least it was a plan. It was a stupid plan, but it was a plan. Right. I thought it was a great plan. Actually, radioactive. I stand by. That's a good plan (laughs) for a long time. That's a good plan. Actually, you know what? At least for five or six years. (laughs) I saw this on Twitter the other day, and this is true. Mm -hmm. In the movie, because they're going to radiate the the gold supply in the U.S. uh, Most of the it's an interesting plan, but it's it's not permanently radiated. Like it has an expiration date, and someone did the math. This year, the gold would have stopped. Uh, it would have been this been year. Safe. Okay, they would have been able to talk to handle it again. And so I'm like, oh, wow, okay, that's interesting. Oh, that that is interesting. Yeah, it's cool. This year, meaning like 2022. Uh, I think like late 2021. 2021, based on when the movie came out. Yeah, on the timeline, it would have stopped her being irradiated. Cool. Yeah. Hey, we would have, we would have. That would have helped us a hell of a lot during this pandemic. Let me tell you, we like all our gold back. Having have all of a sudden having a new uh, influx of gold. Into our economy, I would take it. Hell yeah! Uh, maybe Goldfell- Goldfinger was trying to do us a favor back then. He knew he knew what was coming. Um, but yeah, uh, Bond is Bond sneaks into the into the world into the base into the uh, the the villain uh, Safin's villain base. Uh, he he tracks down Safin. We get that like samurai where he's like sitting down at the samurai at like the the table on the floor. And they're both like sitting like samurai warriors in like the same kind of juxtaposition. And um, Bond like deeply bows, right? And this is when they have like the villain hero monologue and he takes out a gun and like starts shooting. Um, I guess Safin's guards are not super great at like patting people down and like, you know. He was able to pull out like the old old ankle weapon trick. Well, but that's another one of these movie moments where I'm like... In real life, Bond, so Bond gets down on the floor. He's like, you're right. I'm so sorry. And he puts his head down. Mm-hmm. And he's like down and you can't see his face for like a solid two minutes. And then Rami Malek's just cool with it. He's just like, yeah, you, you just look sad on the floor. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're like, you know he's doing something. Yeah. It's like it's he's so up obvious. to something. Be like, it was a, James, it was a long time. What are you doing down there, James? <laughs> James, why don't you look at me for a second? Come on up. Take a look. Right. I mean, it's like, I was like, oh, it took forever. Just, yeah. I was like, oh, my God. I don't know. It's also like saying, why didn't he just shoot him? Like, it's like when, when he walked in and threw his gun away, it's like, you know, cause then we wouldn't get the villain exposition that, that we, we were looking for van, um, uh, bond fans salivate over. Um, he escapes though. Um, Safin does through a trap door in the floor. He's got, he's still got Matilde, 
Um, and Mattel bites him in the hand, and then he's just like, "All right, get out, get out of here, get out of here, go, go. Yeah. You don't you, want my house. Become too much of a hassle. You, can, you become right. You're a nuisance. Just okay, go." And she, you know, lets lets her kind of run around his base, I guess, and uh, cause all kinds of havoc. havoc. Nothing good really can come he from it. But doesn't seem worried about anything. Like he's not worried about her. No. He's not really worried about Bond, seemingly. No, not not really. He's pretty. It's pretty. He views it as pretty, like just a kind of a pest. But he's uh, he doesn't really get phased or panicked about things. No. Um, even, even, uh, when Bond finally does catch up with him, uh, oh, but before that we have, uh, Nomi's time to die moment where they, they, of course they have to say the name of the movie <laughs> and man, I thought the writing was so bad. That was awful. Little, little handed. She, but I guess they have to make her do something cool in the movie cause she doesn't really get to do anything cool. Um, the coolest thing she's done so far has been taking off her wig and revealing that she's a secret agent. Right. Um, so she kills Oberchev, uh, cause Oberchev says something really racist, like he can wipe out her whole, uh, ethnicity or something. And so she says, it's time to die. And she kicks him into the, the poison lake with all the poison and he, he gets killed by it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's that. Yeah. So, um, Oberchev is dead. Not nearly as cool as Boris's death. I'll say that in Goldeneye. I am invincible. <laughs> and the, the chemical things wash over. And it's so cool. Much better death. Don't make him like that Much anymore. better death. And Oberchev's death is very lame. Um, and uh, that's essentially the end of Nomi for the movie. Pretty, yes, pretty she, much. She, pretty she much. leaves the base with Madeline and Matilde. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. To, to they, they leave safely. Bond, however is still on the base. He's got, you know, he's got to open the doors, open the blast doors so that they can fire the missiles in and blow up the base. Um, and then they'll worry about the international incident that's going to cause, we'll worry about that later. That's, it's for the Japanese government to, it's their problem. And you know, that's, or, you know, that's another question I have in the logic of this movie. So nanobots don't die. They live forever is the theory. They're eternal as uh, hmm. Q says at one point. And this is a factory where they've been mass-producing nanobots, ready to ship out to the world. When you blow up the island, like, do they get into the ocean? Like, what happens to them? I assume they could probably be... There's got to be, like, a boiling point for the nanobots, right? They've got to be incinerated by, by something, right? They can't... They don't... It's not like they have an infinite boiling point. They they probably melt or or get cooked or something. I, I don't really know what nanobots are made out of, and this is another reason I thought maybe it would have worked better as a super virus, because then it would die, right? Because there's nothing it can feed on. Right. Maybe nanobots work the same I, way. Maybe if they don't have anything, they I don't know. They get I, into the fish. I think I've been I overthinking know. it. I don't know. Um, I've been overthinking this movie <laughs> pretty much since I saw it. Uh, um. Yeah, but um. Bond comes back into contact with our villain, Safin. Yes, he does. And uh they're in the they're in the death garden, right? They're in the, the, the garden of death. And, and uh the final enough. showdown. Yes. He has had enough. He's even now, he doesn't really seem like super upset. He's just like, ah, oh, you've just been a pest. You're just you're just annoying. Um and he so he loved man. Does he love the good villain soliloquy? Oh, yeah. He loves it. 
he loves the good uh, villain monologuing. Um, so he goes on and on now about right how they're the same people and how they like he's going. The irony is he's going to make Bond destroy the ones that he loved and swore to protect. And um, so he uh, infects Bond with the nanobot with the, with the nanobots. And, and I think he realizes he gets on it when he, he like cuts his hand or something when no, he punches, he takes the vial that, he and he that? like smashes vial, right. it into his face and cuts up his yes, face. Right. And that's, that's how he gets, is. which yeah. actually I kind of like that. Like if you're going to do it, mm-hmm. like just go for it, just smash it in his face. Uh, that's right. Cool. I knew it had to do with like glass and like getting cut. Yeah. So, right. So he gets cut. So that's how the nanobots get into his, into his blood. When he smashes the vial. And he also and, cuts himself and he says, I'll, you'll never have her. I'll never have her. Yeah, right. And then, and that's, that's the moment that Bond realizes like, the, oh, he wasn't, you know, he's not trying to kill me. He's going to make it so I can never see my wife or kid ever again because of the nanobots. Because the nanobots are, and he says something like, they're not for you. They're for them. They're for her. And so like, he's like, realizes now that, if he ever touches them or touches somebody who then touches them or any, anything, he basically, he's not, it's like, he is a, a, a walking time bomb for his own wife and daughter, Yeah, which is pretty, pretty heavy. And it's at this moment where you're like, how, how is he going to get out of this? Right. Well, and he's also been shot can like he do? four times by Safin as well. Right. Like he's, he's, limp, he's limping. He's limping. His na- uh, knee is all broken and messed up. Oh, I didn't get to talk about one of my favorite moments on the island when he kills uh, Primo before before he meets up with um, before he meets up with 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 Safin yes. in the garden. Yes. I thought this was such a, a n- nicely filmed uh, sequence when the camera's like right behind him, and it's like a continuous oh, shot. That one shot going walking up the stairs. The, how yeah. cool is that? Up the steps. It was great. one continuous action shot. I thought that was so neat, and it's, it had never really been done in a Bond movie before. Oh, so cool. Um, and then he even gets a much better uh, one-liner than Nomi it's had. A, it's a good right. one-liner. Yeah. Where he, yeah, really I, blew uh, his mind. Yep. <laughs> that that, that kind of takes me back to uh, to like a, like something Roger Moore would say. Oh, it's very like silly and quippy. Or uh, Timothy Dalton. Yeah. Um, when he, he, uh, he, he, he uses his, his – uh, like wristwatch, like the like the pulse, the the EMP on the wristwatch to like blow up Primo's uh, robotic eye, um, and then then we get the fight with Safin, and yeah, he's limping. He's he's really not in great shape. Bond, he's he's pretty messed up after his fight with Safin. He's infected with the nanobots. The way he dispatches Saf, Safin too, like just shoots him like he's just a regular henchman. I thought that was pretty appropriate. He's just like, you're dead, gone. Um, all in all, I don't think Safin got enough screen time and I don't think he was completely thought out or fleshed out, but he was, Rami Malek just did a tremendous job with good him. Good enough, yeah. I would say. Like, mm-hmm. not perfect, not the best. Good enough. Because this movie isn't about him, really. It's it, And so you can't have a super, fl- I thought he was better and I am a fan of uh, of Christoph Waltz in general. I never really liked him as Blofeld Inspector, and I don't think I think Remy Malek was better in this than he was in that. Mm. I agree. 
Uh, so we get the, now we get the scene where we we're kind of, we're, we're as the audience, we're kind of putting it together and we're figuring out. He's going to be totally fine. Bond's not leaving this. He's going to be great. Helicopter's going to come pick him up and he's off to his next He's not leaving the island. He's, he's, uh, he's not leaving. We're figuring it out. We're, he's, he's, uh, he calls up Q and he's like, Q, man, I don't know what to tell you here, but this is it. And then Q's like, what do you mean, man? Like, I'm Q. I, I, I could, I could figure this out. Come on, like, let me figure it out. He's like, nah, nah, I'm, I'm sick of this. I'm done. He's like, this is it. This is it for me. Um, there's, there's time to die at last. And he stays on that island. And um, this is the part, the point where I would rather the movie just ended. And and we don't, and we we get like, I would rather it have been ambiguous. There, there is the, there's one shot. One like really quick two second shot that makes it like certain that oh, he's yeah. dead. Oh no, he's because dead. like he's the dude. He's literally standing on the platform, and they show like a missile hit him pretty directly. They might as well have just like looked at his face and like watched his face like burn into oblivion. Like he's he is dead. Because I I told some people about this after I left the theater. People that didn't really care about spoilers, I had to tell people. Right. I had to be like. They killed James Bond. He's dead in this movie. They like dead, dead. And they didn't believe me. They were like, no, no, he's coming back. Like he's, yeah, he's, he's coming back in another movie. Like give him another movie. He'll be back. Um, he escaped somehow or he got like a, a submarine came and picked him up or, oh yeah. If you'd like slow it down. Not, I was like, you have to watch the movie. Like he is dead. There's, there's just, there's no room for like ambig ambiguity whatsoever. Um, and that's it. That's, that's, then the, we get the shot. We get the, they're back at, uh, MI6 headquarters and, and M says his, his quote, which was actually, um, I believe it was something that was, it was a quote from a, uh, famous British poet, but it was also something that was read at Ian Fleming's funeral. Oh, so it was kind of like a neat little tie back yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, so it was like a, a connection between the author and the, the character, and then, um, yeah, they say, like, we're going to miss you, like, 007, and they, like, clink his glass, and then they're like, all right, we're back to work, business as usual. And then the last scene, we get um, Madeline in the car with Matilde, and she's like, someday I'll tell you about a man I knew named James Bond. And then we get them, I thought that was kind of cool, we get a second gun barrel in the movie, when they're driving through the tunnel, and it like zooms yeah. out and it almost becomes like a gun barrel. I thought that was a cool uh, end of the movie. And we get um, the song from um, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, Time Enough at Last, um, as, a, as a classic send off. Which is wild to me because then you get the mid credit sequence, which I was not expecting, where mm -hmm. it cuts back to the island and there's all that rubble and suddenly <laughs> a hand and it's got the watch on it the laser watch that's right and it goes ding 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 it says bond will return james bond will return him and and he's under he's under the rubble and there's also like three women under there too and he's like he's got a martini glass in his hand and yep and um or they're all on a then they're all on a raft and and it's pretty crazy and then the force ghost of sean connery is there too he shows up and Yep, they 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 put him in the movie too. They all so sing, jump, uh, jump. no, it's uh, in fact, yeah. it's, uh, no, there's no mid credit sequence. He's uh, stone cold dead. There, there is the the James Bond will return. That is a real thing. That at the end of the credits, 
It does say that. So it, it has led to a lot of speculation among fans. Like, what does that mean? Obviously not Daniel Craig, Bond. He, he is dead, dead. But um, it. Uh, I, I have a theory. I think it means the character will return. Sure. Right? I, I, I'm, I'm very heavily subscribed to the theory that all of Daniel Craig's movies are in their own universe, like their own kind of um, separate world it, that it wasn't a, it wasn't a reboot in the sense of like, it, it was a, a true reboot basically like, like kind of like the Batman reboot right. where it just, it, they, they dialed it back to zero and they did it again, but it's self-contained. So like future movies will have to be their own reboots. Um, that's, that's at least my theory. I, I don't know. What do you think? Um, in terms of that, I think it's tough. No, cause did anyone carry over from Pierce Brosnan movies to these in terms of actors and characters? No. Um, like, well, characters you had who was Q actually, or who was M? M. M. M was M was uh, Judy Dench in in uh yeah same same actress. So I guess there's precedent then because that's my thought is like if it really is self contained then you got to fire everybody and you got to just totally start from scratch. That, and that's the, that's that's kind of the problem that people are are, but, are coming out with like you know these these are these are characters that would have memories of Bond dying. Yeah. Um, in which case Bond can't return, right? Unless he didn't actually die uh, on the islands, in which case it would, well, it, you know, kind of actually devastate the whole like point of this movie. And, and, and this is where uh, there's so many of these movies. I sometimes just get confused. Um, sure. Understandable. But, but wasn't that part of Skyfall where they tried to imply that James Bond like is his name, but it's not his name. I thought there was something I think, in Skyfall where it was like there there's a big theory that there's a big theory like the multiple bonds theory is that basically he is in every movie he's like or 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 with depending on which one you subscribe to every movie or every actor basically is a different bond a different iteration of bond but that theory doesn't make sense because Lazenby's bond his wife dies, and then in the next movie, he's laying flowers at her grave. But it's not Lazenby now; it's um, it's it's Dalton. So it's like I mean, to me, it's kind of the theory that James Bond is like 007. Like you can, I don't know. Uh, no, yeah, I, 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 it's weird. I, yeah. I think the actors can carry over. I, 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 my number one, and I want to get your thoughts on the on Kelly Bond right on the finale. Yeah, but. The most interesting aspect of Daniel Craig's tenure as Bond is the serialization of the character in the franchise, right? In my opinion. Five movies. Wait, one, two, three, four, five movies. Um, that tell as close to a complete story as I think you'll get in one of these franchises like this. And Longest running Bond in terms of, of years. Uh, years. Yeah. Yeah, they don't pump him out like they did in the Roger Moore days. Well, he, there was there was a he had a there was a pretty lengthy um, break I think between was it Skyfall and Spectre. There was there was a there was a, like a long pause between well, movies Spectre and No Time point. to Die was six years. Spectre and that's it. Yeah, Spectre Spectre and this one right because they kept getting well, delayed. Yeah, Spectre was a, not a bomb, but it was relatively so he became. Yeah, Craig became the longest tenured Bond, not in terms of movies, but in terms of just length of 
of time. Now, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say whether or not I'm a fan of the serialization. I think it has pros and cons. I think it's interesting that they tried it. I kind of hope they don't do it again. Like, I do want to go back to the standalone movies, because um, I think that would be interesting. Um, and frankly, have a different James Bond in every single movie. I think that would be interesting. But if you're going to serialize James Bond, you have to kill him in the end. You, you, you can't just say, okay, in the next movie, we're going to stop telling the story. Like, he has a story. And as annoying as sometimes, I, like Vesper Lynn, in the fifth movie, still talking about her, whatever. Like, I'm over it at that point. But nonetheless, you have to close the chapter on this man as James Bond. And quite honestly, you just think, like, they, they've never killed James. How do you kill James Bond? Like, how do you, how do you kill him? And I think the, well, I, I, some of it was a little forced and a little, some of it kind of was, didn't, they didn't lay enough tracks to make it work, whatever. The idea that after all these years of heartbreak and loss and killing and all the things that come with being James Bond, he finally falls in love with this woman, has a daughter who he meets and understands and at the end of the day, knowing that they will live on and he has some type of closure in a bond that will leave something behind like no other bond ever has. I think for him to die in those circumstances makes sense. And I am pretty much completely in favor of how this movie ended and how they treated again do I get why he's so in love with Madeline versus all other women? I don't really get. And the daughter kind of came in late and they didn't have too many scenes, to, whatever. I think if you're gonna serialize Daniel Craig and tell this story and you're going to end it with him dying, I think this was probably the best job you could have done. What do you think? Um, if you had asked me as I was leaving the theater, I would have said that's, Complete bullshit. I would have been like, I was irate when I was leaving the theater, Sean. I was like, people in there probably thought I was like gonna like throw throw popcorn and demand my money back. Or so I was, I was outspokenly pissed at the movie. I turned to my wife and I was like, what the hell? I, was, I think I, I actually think I said that. I was like, well, you can't end a Bond movie with Bond being killed. Like, yeah, he can't die. He's James Bond. Um, that's just not how this works. Like I was like, I was waiting for like the credits to like freeze and be like, but that's not actually what happened. Yeah. I uh, see bond made it out. Okay. He he's alive. He's on this raft, like, or a post credit. I, I waited for like half the credits waiting for like a mid or post credit scene. Just, just to like, of him, like at the cafe, like at the end of Batman yeah. where, where, where he looks, Alfred yeah. looks up. Yeah. With the news, I was waiting for that. We didn't get it. Like I was, I was like, no, but then this is what I mean. This is exactly what I mean when I said I thought about this movie more than any other Bond because you have to think about the Craig movies, like you said, as a serialization, yeah. as a story that is being told, right? And they even say at the end, like like Madeline alludes to that, I'm going to tell you the story of a man named James Bond. And then you could easily kind of start the whole cycle over again with Casino Royale and watch it all from the beginning at that point if you wanted to. That is, this is the story of Bond. And like you said, there is no way, especially the this is a this is not just a story of James Bond, it is a tragic story of James Bond. It is the unglamorous, un un um filtered 
uh, on sh- uh, shiny version. This is this is the the like gritty version of Bond. There's no way this has a happy ending. There's no way that he gets the girl and gets the happiness and gets the glamour in the end. It can't happen. And the only way for this for for this to end with Bond, you know, um, the only way for it to end with with um, any kind of make it making any kind of sense, I think, is the way that it did. Um, you they they wrote themselves into it. I think um, it would it would have just seemed like a, it would have seemed unfair and it would have seemed cheap if they had if they had written it, if they had written it any other way. If they had written it to where he escapes or if he lives. Or if he, um, you know, somehow figures out the nanobot situation and and he's he solves everything, it, it just would have it would have felt like we we had been robbed in a way or tricked, and I didn't feel like that. I felt I felt like I had been tricked at the end of the movie because it's not the bond that I was used to. It's not the bond we've seen in all the other movies where he he wins and he he's he's because he's Bond and he has to win. Um, and he's, he's basically like, you know, a superhero, but it's the only way that this saga, this telling of bond had to end. And and I think that, I think I made peace with it in the end. I, I, I very much, I accepted it. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, those movies are are always going to be there, uh, to re what, maybe not quantum of solace. I don't care if I ever see that movie again, but, um, this yeah. was the bond we deserved for the era he was in. And we think back to like yeah, Roger Moore absolutely. of the 80s or Pierce Brosnan mm-hmm. in the 90s, where it's like so representative of their time. Like these movies were representative of the years they came out and the types of cinema and the stories we were telling. And I just don't think cinema would have worked with standalone Bond films. Um, I really no. do think this is the type of franchises and sequels. And these were the movies people wanted to see, but it does immensely bum me out that Daniel Craig really only got three good Bond movies. I mean, Quantum of Solace Inspector, a couple of real duds. Yeah. I think we can all, we can all pretty much collectively agree. Yeah. Casino. And I think Daniel Craig um, has, has been, and was an incredible James Bond. And I kind of wish we had gotten more of him at that Bond peak. Like I wish we had gotten more top flight movies out of him. I'm kind of bummed. We won't get more. But it's not about Daniel Craig. It's about serving the character. And, and I think um, if you're going to choose to do it this way, you gotta you got to follow through. And, and they, did, they didn't cheap out. Like, if Roger Moore had died at the end of Octopussy and then just showed up in A View to a Kill and never talked about it, it would have been like, what? Huh? That's, huh? Like, you can't do <laughs> that. that. Was, that's weird. But you, but you, yeah. you got to roll with it here. So I think... Uh, now, Matt, I have to ask you about uh, the future of the Bond franchise. Because we do have some loose ends, right? We've got the MI6 crew still around. We've got the new 007, maybe, question mark. We've also got Madeline and Matilde. If, if they might show up again, what, what, where do you think this franchise goes now? Wow. Big question. I, I don't think, I don't even think the writers know. I don't think anybody knows on the planet, to be perfectly honest. Um, I think they're going to take a good long break. I don't think we'll see many Bond for a while. I don't think there's any commitments out right now. Uh, I could be mistaken. I didn't. I didn't look into this, but I don't think any. There's any really. Um, definitely no commitments. No talk um, of anything. And I don't. I don't think we'll get that for some time. Yeah. Um, where do I think it goes in the future? Uh, there's a lot of you know. 
there's sensationalists out there that are like, oh, like they set up Loretta, um, um, they set up Lashana Lynch to be in the next Bond. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, the next 007, you know, will be a, a female or the next 007 will be American or the next 007, this and that. I don't think anyone really knows. I, I don't, I just don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't see that happening, not from like a, any kind of like political standpoint, but I, I just, at the, at the bottom line, these movies are designed to make money and who goes to see bond movies. Predominantly the demographic are young, they're young men, they're young guys that go see bond movies. So I don't think they're going to mess with that. It's their, their, their bread and butter just to make a statement about bond being, um, anything other than what bond has been in the past. Um, I, I don't, I just don't, I don't know if the, I don't think the executives would take a risk like that. So I, I just, I think we'll get another bond in the, in the not too distant future. And I think it'll, it'll be just another, um, either reboot of the franchise or I'm, I'm actually leaning more now toward them, um, keeping it in the Craig movies, but without Craig, if that makes sense, like kind of a, Maybe like prequels to like set some like you said somewhere in between Casino Royale and Skyfall, or maybe Casino Royale and Spectre, uh, so that M can still be uh, Ralph Fiennes and um, like or maybe like you know just just telling another Bond adventure in that in that in that space so that we can have the same actors playing similar roles and it won't be uncomfortable that Bond isn't dead. It'll just be played by a different actor, which we is nothing, nothing that is um, completely new, right? We we've seen it happen all yeah. the time, right? Q was Desmond Lewin for forever. M had the same actor for for uh, multiple, even when Bond changed hands. It it's it's um, that's nothing new. Bond changing has hasn't hasn't really affected anybody. So I think it'll just have to be set before No Time to Die. Chronologically, I think No Time to Die has to be the last one. Um, I hope it is. How do you feel about that? I I, I hope it is. My fear is that the next movie opens with, oh, James Bond is dead. What are we going to do now? I think that would be a disaster, especially because all the James Bonds, when they changed hands, never talked about the previous Bond. And I know they weren't as serialized as this one. I don't care if you bring back actors playing the same roles, whatever. But you just have to, you just have to reset and you have to put someone new in there. And I'm not going to be picky about who I think it should be. My only thought is I hope they pick an unexpected actor. There's a lot of like uh, Idris Alba comes up a lot. There are a lot of American names that come up. Daniel Craig obviously was an actor. He was in movies prior to Casino Royale. But he wasn't really a household name per se. And I think... I think they should use this opportunity to go and find someone we don't know that well. It, it reminds me a lot of Tom Holland and Spider-Man, where it's like they could have gotten a lot of big names for that role, but instead they just found a guy, which is kind of exciting. And so I hope they do that with Bond, where they find someone who can solely be James Bond. It's his big role. He can lean into it, or she, whatever. Um... And roll with it from that respect. And they really they really give the, the franchise a fresh coat of paint, like they did with Casino Royale back in 2006, which was a big departure. 
Um, I'd like to see if maybe they do that again. And I, I hope they... The one knock I will give on the Daniel Craig era is I think m- at moments it got too dark. Um, and I think this franchise requires like 30% humor. And when the movies were a little more amusing, I think that's when they shine. So I hope they bring a little more of that into the next generation of Bond. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think we'll, we'll have to, I guess we'll have to wait and see where, uh, in that well, waiting period. And we're legally yeah. obligated to cover every James Bond movie. So if they make another one, we are. we're going to have to watch it. We're here. We're here. We are we are uh we are on contract, right? We get paid by by the movie. Um all, I guess the only thing to left here is to thank everybody for staying tuned for our our talk on, on No Time to Die. I want to leave off with um the uh quote that I I I had to pull up the quote that M says at Bond's like uh, tribute at his funeral. Uh, it's a quote that is used at Ian Fleming's funeral. Also the, the author of James Bond and Ian Fleming put it in one of his books. He put it in the book. Um, you only live twice. Mm. And the quote is from Jack London, American author, journalist, uh, social activist. He says the proper function of a man is to live, not to exist. I shall not waste my days in trying to prolong them. I shall use my time. And I think we used our time pretty used a lot uh, pretty wisely. Th- this episode I length is approaching fun. the length of the movie. So and that was the goal. <laughs> that was the goal the whole time. So thank you folks for uh for 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 sticking it out with us. We hope you enjoyed our talk of No Time to Die. And now we can uh talk about other stuff, I guess, Sean. 50 years of James Bond. I can't believe we did it all. Should we should we go back and do them all again? What do you it's think? Temp- maybe in reverse still, order? Again, it took us... An ent- Watch them in Spanish, it's, maybe? It's amazing to me, man. It took us an entire summer to do Fast and Furious. We did the entire James Bond franchise in like two months. And that was like a hundred movies. I, that was a whirlwind. A bath. We did three movies a week. <laughs> I still don't know how that's possible. Cranked them out. We did. Good we Lord. were young. We were young oh, back then. So long ago. That's, this was pre-pandemic. So long ago. Well, you know, Matt. We were a lot younger. I will say... Coming up at some point in the future to be determined, we do have the Rocky Four director's cut as well that we may have to watch and talk about. I feel like we're we're also contractually obligated to talk about the Rocky movies too, right? We we've covered those on when, the show. When Creed Three comes out, we're we're gonna talk. Right, about we it. get we get the shillings for the Bond movies, and we get the the uh, dollars, the Philadelphian dollars, the um. The uh, Clubber Lang dollars yeah, yes, from exactly. uh, for, for the Rocky movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, no, we'll have a lot of great stuff coming up. Uh, what an excellent way to kick off 2022. Um, I'm thrilled we could finally talk about this movie. It's been a while. Um, and we'll have plenty more great stuff coming up. So I won't go through all the plugs. People know where to find us. Up for debate.tv or subscribe where you get podcasts. That's the scoop. Uh, but we're over time, so we're going to wrap it up here. On behalf of Matt, I am Lucifer Safin, and uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time for another great episode of Up for Debate. This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Matt Mariani and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.